You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. As we talked about in part one, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is what put Gabrielle Ruiz on the map. However, it was her theater training and performance abilities that made it possible for her to even be cast in the show. In this episode, we talk more about her time on the stage and what drives her most as an artist. Dancing was the goal always first. I fell in love with musical theater in college. I was a dance major and fell in love with the triple threat idea. So Broadway became the dream more so as like an understudy singer dancer versus just an ensemble dancer. Well, hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Patrick Oliver-Jones, actor, singer, and host of Why I'll Never Make It, one of Feedspot's top 25 theater podcasts, where fellow creatives share with us the realities of a career in this business. The website is whyillnevermakeit.com, where you can sign up for the Win Me newsletter, which gives you info on upcoming guests, fills you in on members-only bonus episodes, and gives you a little peek behind the curtain of this podcast. So sign up today for the newsletter at whyillnevermakeit.com. In the summer of 2013, the national tour of Evita began rehearsing in New York. Now, being a non-dancer myself, the choreography rehearsals were a bit strenuous and stressful for me. But, of course, there were others who took to the dancing like it was just the easiest thing. And they were so good at it, too. I, I would just watch it sometimes, and the things that these dancers could do night after night after night was just simply amazing. Well, as it happened, one of our dancers became injured in the show and had to leave for about a month or so so that she could rehab her injury. And it was then that Gabrielle was brought in to join the cast. I got to know her as Gabby, and the two of us hit it off almost immediately. We would be laughing and chatting backstage and hang out together outside of the theater as well. So having this chance to bring Gabby onto the podcast has been a real thrill for me. And one of the things I wanted to talk with her about is the difference between the Broadway version of the show and our touring production. Not only because the show itself was different, but her experiences with each of them were also different. So I'm, I've am i done like the replacement thing 
quick and slow before. And so it was really nice to come in and do that for the national tour cast um, to learn it quickly. However, I did do it on Broadway and with the national tour, they consolidated some of the ensemble roles. And when Ian Liberto, who I did a chorus line with, so we, we knew each other, you know, and it was so much fun to have that shorthand conversation, like, great. Cause I had already known the show, but I had to kind of re I had to edit what my roles were because like woman four or five or whatever was, con was consolidated to one cast ensemble member. And I'll never forget. I talked to Ian, like after learning some of it, because I can't remember the girl who I took over for a while, but I think she was younger than me. I will yeah. just say that. I think she was younger than me. <laughs> and <laughs> I remember saying to him, Ian, how, how old is this girl? And he was like, I think she's like 22 or something. And I was like, I can tell. And he's like, what do you mean? And <laughs> And I said, because in rehearsals, she said yes to everything. Hey, yeah. can you like, can you just like run backstage real quick and do your quick change there and then run back across, put red lipstick on and then come on and then like take the basket of whatever with you and like hold the tray and then change your wig at the same time. And like, this is like me, like being an old Broadway bitch, but like, it was just like, I remember saying yes to everything in summer stock at 18. Absolutely. It's so much of course fun. I can do it. Living your dreams. Yeah. You're like, I want to do it. And then you get an injury that becomes permanent. And then you got to pay a mortgage or something. And you're like, so what do you want me to do? <laughs> exactly. For how long is this going to run? Because I need I'm to, fine just I need standing to... <laughs> right here and waiting for my line and then just jumping in. I'm fine. Just being Getting right here. The same. Just getting paid the same. <laughs> exactly. I want to have a. I want to be able to have the cocktail, not just like the seltzer after the show. You know. So like, just let me know if you don't want me to take it up a third. It's fine. It's amazing so, how many of those yeses get into shows, especially when it comes to theater. Yeah. Because I I remember I was doing a Disney show. It was it was Hunchback, and and they were setting where the gargoyles were going to be at this particular moment, <laughs> and 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 so you know they. They're like, and the gargoyles just, 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 just go off because we want to deal with Quasi right now. And the gargoyles, they just kind of stood off to the side and <laughs> they were just standing off to the side because they're not in the scene at all. That became the, the blocking. So instead of getting to leave stage, they're now standing there for the entire scene, doing nothing, being frozen. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, what? And then you learn eight shows in. Eight months in, you're like, why did I say yes to why this? Why did we stand I, here? Why didn't why we just did leave? We, <laughs> why didn't we think about it ahead when I'm going to have to do this all day, every day? And, and I just remember saying that to Ian. I was like, she said yes to everything. And like, I'll do it. I'm not complaining. But there was the moment like um, before, I'm going to forget all the music, but after the first opening, the curtain comes down. There's four girls in the front. And then, it, you know, one of them's Ava. She finally appears. Right. And then it becomes her young scene in the saloon. I was running while they were across that set while they were changing it to change my own costume across the other side of the stage. And I was like, this bitch said yes. And she was like, I'll make it work. <laughs> <sighs> so that was one of the that was one of the funny things. But at the same time, like the cast was just as lovely. The leads were just as lovely. Thank goodness. Um, and I had a wonderful time getting to meet all of you guys and like. Being an ensemble without understudying is also so much fun for me because of my body and my need to rest. So I didn't, I was able to go to the movies more often and like go to, go to like some bars after because like when I, the other national tour I did was a chorus line right out of college and I was Deanna Morales and bitch stayed home. She got tired. I had oh, like, I you know, tendinitis in my feet, you know, and like had to feel good for the show. And I thought, but I want to have fun, but sometimes feel good and fun didn't, doesn't mix with me very well with live theater. 
No, no, no. I'm, I'm the same way when it comes to, I finally got to do Don Quixote in Men of La Mancha. And so for that, no alcohol. I was like, Saint. no, I'm going home. I'm not. Go I'm, home. And, and, and so fortunately, my voice was fine the entire run. It, I, you know, it, every now and then, especially like a few weeks in, the voice will get a little tired. But for that one, it was really good. Yeah. It was my back. That's what that's what started to hurt. <laughs> so there's always something. There's always something. There's always something. Your body's like, oh, that's like, it. That oh, takes yeah, a toll. That's the one. <laughs> but now for you being in in the ensemble, I assume that was then a, a, a transition of now you're one of these stars in a TV show. You are your own character. You're not understudying. You're not the first runner-up. You're not the go-to. <laughs> you are the character. Was that was that different? Did it feel like a step up? Did it feel like more pressure? What was that? It was wonderful. I was ready. I was absolutely ready. Um, I felt like I was hitting a ceiling. Sometimes, you know, as much as I, I mean, Telsey and company has given me three great Broadway runs and the national tour of Evita. And, you know, they've given me so much. And sometimes with casting and maybe with your agents, you get a little, they get a little deaf in the ear of that when you want to change or when you want to grow. It's a different kind of proving to be like, hey, bring me in for this. And they just don't see that in you or they don't see that part of you. And then you start like second guessing yourself, like, is this all I'm good at? Right. Mm. So with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, it was the season of Hamilton auditions, Aladdin auditions and On Your Feet auditions. All three shows that I could be in. I could I could be cast in those. And either I wasn't ever seen or I was seen too much and they just wouldn't cast me. Or Aladdin, like just, it just never worked out. Like the timing never worked out. And so that was a season for me where I was like, not feeling less than for the first time. I was feeling like I knew my worth and the timing wasn't right. Mm -hmm. Even more so that it, that, that show wasn't meant for me. And it was the first time Patrick were in the elevator when everyone's like, oh my God, why aren't you doing that show? You should do that show. <laughs> You're not on On Your Feet. You should be on On Your Feet. And I was like, I've, I've, I've auditioned. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and Sergio loves me and Lon loves me and Jerry loves me, but they just won't cast me. And they can't, but not that they don't like me or they don't think I'm good enough. It just, I don't fit. I don't fit in this show and I can't figure out how to change my body or my face or my voice, anything. I can't. I can't do that. And so did that ever play with your confidence? Not that time. It was the first time that it didn't play with my confidence every time before that it did. And I think it took the either amount of nose or the amount of self work, um, finding other things I loved outside of theater where it just didn't feel like New York was only about theater. Um, getting a taste of television maybe too was part of it, but um, that was like a turning point for me and my psychology with my career that I knew my worth, even if I wasn't being casted. Cause it was like the 10th time Patrick to go in for on your feet. And I'm going in for like one of the washerwomen's of Cuba and everybody's 15 years older than me. Mm. And I remember texting Philip and I was like, they're just trying to put me in the show. <laughs> they're just trying to put me in the show. And I'm just like, please put a fork in it. Like we're done. Like we are done. Like, and it was the easiest, least stressful. So happy to see them audition. And I was, I told my agent, I was like, they can't call me in anymore. And it not because it hurt. It's because they know and they need to stop being so nice about it. Cause they mm -hmm. love me. I don't know if you ever felt that, like they just love you so much, but it's not it, you know? And I was like, just go with God. I can't wait to go see the show. 
But like, please stop calling me in. And that kind of happened with Alphaba too. Like every time they call me in for Alphaba. And finally, my agent said, it was around the same time my agent was like, so they're not going to call you in anymore because you're just not the voice for Alphaba. And I was like, thank you. My, my, my apartment neighbors say thank you because I'm warming that shit up at 9 a.m. <laughs> in <Right>? January <laughs> to be able to sing those notes for you. And you're not going to cast me just like, he's just not that into you theory in your career. Like, it's fine. We can agree that it's not going to work out, but just call me in for other things. Let me put my energy somewhere else that you really want me to fit in. Yeah. I and that's that, all good. I had that with Jersey Boys. Thankfully, it wasn't like years and years of auditions, but I got the 40 pages of sides. It was to cover <laughs> every time. Right. It was to cover <laughs> all like, these stop. different roles. And it was Mary Sugarman from Tara Rubin casting that brought me in. Love her to Love death. you, Mayor. Love you, Mayor. And, and she brought me in and she wanted to work with me before. So this was, mm-hmm. she wanted to do a little work session right before then they brought the creatives in. And so we went through it for like 20 or 30 minutes, going through this, going through that. And I felt like I was connecting with some of it. Some of it was still kind of like, oh, I'm not sure, you know, but then we went through, I, w- I will say that we went through most of the pages. They were at least gracious with that. So at least I didn't feel like my time in learning those 40 pages was worthless. But then... And it's one of the few times I ever got feedback. My agent got feedback like a week or two later. And she said, Patrick just doesn't fit that world. I went, it was, it was the one time that I, I was like, you're right. I really don't fit that Great. world. And <laughs> they've never brought me in. It, I was never brought in again for it. I was like, you know what? It's that, that, that's fine. I, that's great. Granted, wouldn't that have been wonderful to have been a part of Jersey Boys and be in that show and wherever that could have taken be me. Be in that but, family. I'm not in that world. It's not meant to be yours. It's meant to be someone else's. And when you make space for yourself, you know, it's the power of no. When you make space for yourself to, for other opportunities that you don't even know exist that the universe has for you that are far much more funner than your own. Okay. (laughs) That was crazy ex-girlfriend for me because all those bitches couldn't audition for Valencia because they were doing on your feet. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. kidding. They were booked and blessed. No, I'm kidding. No, but it was like when I auditioned for Rachel, the show needed that Broadway training. And I was at the perfect place at the perfect time to provide that for them on the Skype callback. And when I went into the audition, the final auditions for the first table read, Aline Brush McKenna, the creator as well. And Rachel looked at each other and they're like, what do you want to do about I'm so good at yoga when the song comes up in the table read? And I spoke up and as, as a person that is an understudy as a live performer, as well as, you know, we do showcase after showcase after lab after just, just make it up right away and just present it to producers immediately, whatever happens happens. And also it's going to be good. It's always going to be good because that's our caliber in New York. I had all those tricks in my bag and I said, well, I can sing it if you want. I just pre-recorded it. And Hollywood looked like I had two heads. They were like, wow, she can. And Donna Lynn, Vincent, David, Santina were like, that's right. That's right. Like they were just like nodding their head like this is every day in New York. So that was wonderful to like represent Broadway basics on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And then you could tell through the four seasons how it was just solos for all the characters. And then we started backing each other up in like quartet songs, like duet songs to the full-fledged like um, crapshoot, Love's Not a Game 
David Hall leading all of us in this dance show number and like even guys and dolls like they did oh, they they did they did a guys and dolls by the end of the fourth season because they knew they had this group of people only for a short amount of time and like let's make some music right, make a production of it absolutely yeah it was wonderful it was absolutely wonderful and with crazy ex girlfriend you know obviously a, a female lead there, there were there were females behind the camera as well leading that creatively. What do you think, or or how do you think, uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend affected both the presentation of and perception of women in, in this business? Wow, what a great question. It comes from the top. Um, Aline Brosh McKenna, Rachel Bloom, already had a mindset, goal a, a goal set in mind to break the boundaries of mental health first of all, for women and the stigmas behind it and how it it can only be considered a sad story or a sad narrative or something that is not necessarily spoken about, just a problem in a show, but the way that they colored and gave it space through song and dance and also say that it's normalized and it should be normalized that many people have depression, take antidepressants. It's not a secret. It's not a stigma. It is an actual psychological chemical balance for people that get help and getting help is really great. Um, antidepressants are not a big deal is one of the biggest songs of our fourth season. And it's just like, wow, to be able to change people's point of view through Avita, through Les Mis, through beautiful stories of the Great Depression or civil wars or uh, a monarch or whatever, but to be able to do that through something that's so current and topical that we can relate to, they took the chance and they took the responsibility of changing people's minds. And they really did with the show because the parodies of making fun of irony that um, I'm so good at yoga, for instance, she just looks and idolizes this woman and it's this Bollywood number that she's like, looks like she's dancing on a shrine is what people go through. And they, they closet it in. It's, it's their own, you know, battle that they have within themselves, but to be able to put that through song and dance made so many people not feel alone. And so our, our audience, our fans feel seen, they feel loved and they feel like we get them. And, um, Rachel, did a beautiful and Adam Schlesinger, may he rest in peace, Jack, Jack Dolgen, the songwriters, like making it funny, making fun of it. And as well as changing people's minds, they did a great job with all the music. Women in the industry period don't write their own narratives in television until after heart, the Harvey Weinstein Me Too movement. Now even more so with Black Lives Matter tipping point last summer. Um, so now it's being spoken about. Gloria Calderon Kellett is a trailblazer for women, especially in the Latinx culture um, dynamic of like writing our own stories. Like you don't know what it's like to be Cuban <laughs> for one day at a time. Like you don't know. Let me let me write it because I know because this is my family um, for a sitcom, and. I feel like these women as well are creating more chairs, more seats at the table, not just offering one woman at each seat at the table, um, having forums and conversations, like don't even get me started about Clubhouse, but like before that, you know, having lunches and talking about like, how can we do something together versus how did you get that job and how can I get it from you? Um, 
So the, I think women were trained for so long to be competitive with each other. So it was just this, it was this, um, minority factor that there wasn't enough space for all of us when then with speaking up for yourself and for your, for others, there's now, there's now this whole new frontier for women to not take, not have a chance, but just take the chance on themselves to produce and create content that they know about because it's their life. So when it comes to mental health and being afraid or being weak, um, I feel like women have been stigmatized to be the mother at home and everything's fine, <laughs> you know, and, and just like not work all the hours because they have, they're the, they're the care, the caretakers, or they have other responsibilities that they can't handle also a full-time job or creating a show. And that's just being thrown and spun on its ugly head. And I'm, and I'm so happy, um, that I get to witness the change instead of seeing the change happen after lots and lots of years of being in Hollywood. I kind of came around the turning point. And so I get to support all these women that have been ready to, to spread their wings and then take people with them um, and support them in that way. Yeah. Because certainly when it comes to auditions, I, you know, I know for me when there's an, you know, an open call course call or whatever, you know, there's, there's a hundred, 200 men, but then there's 500 women. You know, it's mm -hmm. it, there's always been that more women typically are are going out for roles, uh, just just in sheer numbers. But I I'm curious in, in in what you were saying, if that now over these last few years, women are seeing themselves not only as those who can speak the lines, but they can write the lines. They can yes. be the ones producing those those characters and those stories. And so, yeah, now they're broadening their own their own perception of what they can do and who they can be in this business. Exactly. I I'm, I'm enjoying like what we were talking about pre-show the sitcoms that we're watching from like the seventies right now, <laughs> I'm watching the Mary Tyler Moore show and I'm watching it from the beginning now with some more education and every writer on Mary Tyler Moore is a man. And it's all about Mary's single life in her thirties and how hard it is for her to be single. And, but she's so beautiful and she's so thin and she's, you know, poor Rhoda, who is also beautiful and thin, <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's so fascinating to see how it's being given to a woman to speak in a certain way. And that as me watching Nick at night, when I was 11, watching the Mary Tyler Moore show, that's what I was told to be. I was told to get married fast. I was told to, to, you know, wow, to like, I would be considered, and I was considered this feat, this miracle that I got out. I left my hometown and I wanted to pursue my career first. While my parents were very supportive, it was a very Mary Tyler Moore story. Like, wow, you don't want to get married first? Wow, that's so courageous and brave of you. And you're like, well, no, but I, I want to pursue, like, why do I have to explain this to you? Like, why do I have to prove <laughs> myself in a way? And a lot of the Mary Tyler Moore episodes that I've come across so far are all written by men. So it's exciting mm. to see that difference now with Tanya Siracho in Vida. And like I talk about and idolize um, Gloria because she's so great at that. And Aline, like they're just changing it. And they're saying other women writers as well. And not discriminating against men, but like if the story calls for that, you need a, you need a true experience <laughs> to be able to talk about it in the writer's room to then produce that to what people are being fed at home. Yeah, and I and I've spoken about this with uh with other guests on the podcast about there there needing to be that balance. It 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 can't be 
just all women writing stories about what men go through. It can be men writing about what women go through. There needs to be this balance of of gender and race and diversity so that... Diversity. Because especially dramas don't just talk about one thing. Sitcoms like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend doesn't just talk about one thing, one joke, and that's it. They cover many different topics and subjects and what this character goes through and what that character goes through. So the writing rooms need to be as diverse as what your stories need to be. Exactly. And I'm curious if that's changed for theater, for live theater. Um, I feel like theater has always had more of a a space to feel dangerous or feel like not so restricted. Um, Especially independent, off-Broadway kind of stuff. Especially independent. And maybe it's because I just know it better and I've been in that world longer. Um, But to find out like all these indie films, all these film festivals that you don't see, you don't see live streamed. Like you know, like in 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 the blockbuster category, it's 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 really cool to like start me personally in my career to start learning about the smaller film world that are taking those steps. But I, I I'm glad that those directors are now being nominated because they're making a change, and the academy or the judge, you know, the people that are on the judging side, are being brave enough to speak up for their faults of just being discriminatory. And when it comes to representation, something that you took part in last year was the Viva Broadway. And you, yes! you, you, you took part in that with uh, another former guest, Bianca Marroquin, who was on the, oh, the show. Oh, Bianca. We did In the Heights together. Yeah, she she was a joy to talk to. And so I'm, oh. I, I, I can only imagine because that that was, you know, in the height of, you know, Everyone was doing Zoom presentations and trying to figure out new and creative <laughs> ways of of having everyone in their living room, but have it still look like a show. So I I, I imagine that that was a fun, but also you know a, a creatively challenging project. To in the summer of twenty, yeah, in the summer of twenty nineteen, I did the musical workshop of like Water for Chocolate up in Poughkeepsie, and it was really oh, I forgot how much I missed a vocal rehearsal like that, like with <laughs> la creme de la creme of Broadway and Latinos. And we're singing all of this like mariachi Mexican cultural music. And I'm Mexican myself and um, never felt represented. For instance, like on the Grammys, I feel it was the Grammys or maybe it was the Emmys when Coco came out. Um, they had Remember Me, but full mariachi style and if I was a kid and I saw that, I would be so different in my life now. Instead of trying to hide being Mexican, I was like, wow, that's Mexican. That's beautiful, you know? So the band La Santa Cecilia was hired to create the music for the musical. So we're being able to teach them how to make it a musical. They're teaching us how to be a band, which is so much fun that, you know, musicals can, the musical theater world gets to collide in that way and collaborate. Um, and so they asked us for, um, Viva Broadway to sing some of the songs and the medley. And it was just so wonderful to represent that and represent my culture. Cause I'm from border town, South Texas. That's what the story is written at, you know, that's, that's the location. And, um, which is very similar to Bianca. She was on both sides of yeah. the border as well. Yeah. And, but at the same time, like working with the music directors <laughs> for theater was so nice. <laughs> they are so prepared <laughs> and here's the music. Here's the track. Here's the da-da-da. And sometimes in Hollywood, it's like, so here are your lyrics. And I think this is a demo. Good luck. And you're like, can I get a lead sheet? And they're like, what is that? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? You, you have the lyrics. What's a lead sheet? <laughs> right. 
I mean, don't you don't you have the lyrics? And you're just like, well, yes, I can do it, but I'm gonna be like literally writing chicken scratch notes out. It's fine. It's fine. I can do it for you. But like, it's just it's always nice and refreshing to come back to the East Coast. Oh yeah, I, I remember doing of a discipline. <laughs> yeah, I remember doing a commercial once where 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 I got the script and there was the and and my character sings and they had these lyrics and you know and I went through and I was like so what what what's the the tune like like what's the what do you want me to sing? Oh, you you, you can just sing whatever. I well, well right, I have the lyrics, but do, do you need do you have a melody? Do, yeah, just just sing whatever. You're like, really? am I getting credit for that though? <laughs> Oh no. Oh no. This was one of those, like you're, you're paid off. We, we gave you your money. It's filmed. Just, just, just go. So I just, just make up a tune. Just make up a tune. Sing, yeah. And it, it was like this musical presentation. They had a spotlight on me. I'm like, and all you oh, give yeah. me are lyrics. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, that's the voiceover world. I've tapped into the voiceover world as of last year. And I have been auditioning for about four years and finally got in, you know, and uh, got some I'm gigs. And they, yeah. <laughs> they will send you... What I like about voiceover world, though, is you're allowed to listen to yourself, unlike, in my opinion, like a TV audition, um, and, and, and go with your gut versus all this amount of cr- critique and change and trying to do what they want. You get to, like, literally just, like, send it off and you, you don't have to get dressed for it, right? And so um, when they give you lyrics like this chicken or something in a kid's show like they have this chicken singing and they don't give you a tune it's just like so much fun to make it up <laughs> literally making it up in my closet i'm like what would this chicken sing and it's it, it's been really fun to do that so get ready patrick you just have to make it up also even more in voiceover land <laughs> well speaking of voiceover the weirdest voiceover audition was was with a chicken i i was given several scenarios sure and i, and I had to say lines, not lines. I'm basically doing bark, 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 but do it yeah. to these different emotions, these different scenes that they've set the scene. Now how, <laughs> so so they gave a script, but I needed to translate it into chicken. How would a chicken say that line yes. and express so that emotion? Well, I don't normally do this and I have certainly never done this before, but since we're talking about it, I figured I'd give you a little sampling of the voiceover recording I submitted for that chicken audition. I came out and my and my husband was like, was that your audition? Because of course I'm like having to scream, I'm having to get angry, I'm having to get sad, and everything in between as a chicken. Oh no, I, during like water for chocolate, I'm like literally on the floor using my comforter over a chair with a microphone to do this raccoon audition. And if you ever, I don't know if you've had Andrea Burns on the show, but if you do ask her about the raccoon audition, because after I recorded it, I was so proud of myself. It was just like happy raccoon, fighting raccoon in love raccoon. Give us just, but it has to be real raccoon. It can't be cartoon raccoon. You're like, okay. Just, so you're on YouTube, like, what do raccoon, what do raccoons sound like? Raccoons. Okay, right. And I was literally in my room, and I told all my roommates, it was like Andrea, Anna, Viafanye, and I was like, I have to sound like a raccoon for the next thirty minutes. Just bear with me. I'll be right back. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I love the, it. The things we do. The things. The things we do. we do. I am game. I am game for all those things. Like whatever, <laughs> whatever you need. Let me know if you like it. But if not, I'm out. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, well, well, that type of openness and, and confidence yourself has, has certainly benefited you, you know, throughout your oh, thank years. You. And I'm I'm curious, as your star has risen, you know, from, from Broadway <laughs> land to TV land and everything in between, how how have you handled your this rising status, this rising star that you that you've become both both personally and professionally? Professionally, I take it seriously, like again, like a business. Um I worked really hard the last two years of Crazy X to try to get something immediately with camps to making relationships with the casting directors, hiring a publicist, doing the red carpets, trying to go to parties to make relationships because I was so new in Los Angeles. It was fun to like re remodel myself. And um, again, like I've mentioned before, I was close to a sitcom and nothing happened. And so personally, when Philip and I got married, it was the same. When Philip and I got engaged, it was the same year Crazy Ex Girlfriend opened or premiered. And then when we got married, it was the same year that I was promoted to series regular. So there's been a lot of pressure that I've put on myself when he, the non actor, was like, I'm going with you. We're going to move to Los Angeles. I'm like, You're coming with me? And he was like, You actors struggle. You guys love to struggle. Of course I'm coming with you. We're getting married. <laughs> oh, <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, however, it put a, I, I put a lot of pressure on myself to like, not let him down, not let us down, not let our finances down. Even if he got a great job here, we moved here for me. And he, it's a backward reaction of like a man being so confident in supporting his woman to let her lead everything that I can do. I say it with a question mark. But like, I don't necessarily 100% every day love it. You know, I don't mind also being number two as which is more, I would say, like old school husband wife trope. You know what I mean? Like what what what's told to us on the old sitcoms, like you got to be the wife or whatever. I sometimes like wearing that apron, you know, and I mm -hmm. like feeling like he's going to bring home the bacon. Like what, you know, I can also have that too. I don't feel like it's a weakness in any way or a dynamic that doesn't work. Um, but <laughs> I'm also really good at leading. I'm also really good at making money. And he's also really good at supporting me. He's my business manager and we, he, he's helped me like be smarter and, and better when it comes to teaching my master classes and my lectures and all that kind of stuff as well, like speaking stuff. And he's just there for me and supports me to the point where I say it still after five years of being married, like I'm still shocked hmm. and, or just like taken aback by his, his strength that makes me strong that I didn't expect or didn't know that I was marrying such a wonderful man when I was in love with him. He just proved himself beyond and beyond. And now with COVID, with me not auditioning tons and me making the baby, um, you know, his full-time job has taken, you know, full course. And we're also know, we also know that since he's a line designer and a producer that the Los Angeles culture doesn't necessarily thrive fast enough for him like New York is. And we're down with moving back if we have to, you know, and if he gets like a bigger job and I want to be a stay at home mom, he's like, because babe, we're here for you. We're here in Los Angeles for you. I don't like LA. <laughs> he just tells me that all the time. <laughs> I love you. And I like our friends and I like our church and I like our community, but I don't love LA. I love New York. And I always like lament, like, how come I took you away? And he was like, because New York will always be there. It's going to kick our ass when we come back. And it's, so that's really nice to know that 
I'm, you know, compartmentalizing like two years at a time of having to like make or break when we have the rest of our lives to enjoy and grow and change. He's so good at change more than I am. So I'm glad I have that him as rem- reminder, like we'll make plans now. And then if it has to change, we'll change it then, which is like so uncomfortable for me. <laughs> so with all of these personal and professional accomplishments under your belt now, does it, does it feel like you've made it? Is this what you dreamed success would look like? Yeah. Next question. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Done. Period. I really wanted to be on Broadway. I really wanted to be Deanna. I really wanted to work with Priscilla Lopez. I was able to do that in the Heights. She signed my sneakers, Patrick, like my Deanna sneakers <laughs> to Deanna from Morales. Like what a dream come true. I love that Lynn recommended me for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend um, to be able to be a lead in a musical I was ready for. Um, and now to be a mom, I'm, I'm accepting and I'm looking forward to doing that for a couple of years because Due to the rewriting of women's narratives, I'm not afraid that I can't star and win an Emmy at 45, 50. Exactly. It's, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting that the lifespan for women, which is, you know, we can, we can go into like, that's way overdue, but it's happening. It's happening. And let's celebrate that too, that, um, Pamela Alden, you know, from better things, like she wrote about her family and she's in her, like, you know, she's, she has grown up kids and she's, you know, it's, it's authentic and it's indie and it's, it's beautiful. And like, she's the same casting director as crazy X. So there's women believing in each other's stories and like pushing them out there that aren't just being like, you know, just, just, just clenched upon by men that's, or, 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 or people that don't trust that it's possible. People are be, being able to, we're being forced to trust that it's possible because they're being called out for discrimination. So I can lean into that and I can take a break. And I had an audition that wanted a full body shot literally yesterday. And I laughed. I was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I've got cankles right now. <laughs> but oh but because gosh. of other women that are other people and other men and other people that are changing the game for the industry, I now can rest. I feel like I can rest. And, and then I was able to finally take that lesson to myself and allow myself to rest. And I'm grateful for isolation. And, and, and I mean, person, this might be taken weird, but I'm grateful for COVID in that way. Like I was able to stop like a lot of us and go internal and take time nest in a very different way before we started trying again to have kids and be like, listen, pilot season's barely happening. I I'm out of season anyway, and let's see what next year happens. But right now I can actually focus on starting a family, which I might not have been able to do in my New York career or in my Los Angeles pre COVID years. Well, this has been a joy to to talk to you, to, <laughs> to dig into all of these things that you've been doing. It's, it's so good to, to hear and see you again. I mean, you and I, when we met, this is, this was dinner. Like we would just sit and talk and talk and talk. Yeah, so this yeah. is so nice to have this again with specifically you my good friend. Thank you so much. (laughs) If you've listened to this podcast before, you know I like to ask that question about making it, about do you feel like you have reached success, this, this point of making it in your career. And it's interesting that 
Most of the time, guests say no for this reason or for that reason, and they, they keep looking forward to the future, to, to pushing themselves, to reaching for that next mountaintop experience. But for Gabi, she is exactly where she wants to be for right now. She is transitioning into motherhood. She is, you know, certainly all of us with the pandemic, is on hold career-wise. And so now she's looking forward to this time of giving birth, being a mother, and this new part of her life that she gets to start. And I know that she will be a wonderful mother. Her positivity, her talents as a as an artist, I'm sure will only transfer into her talents and love and skill of being a mother. So I certainly wish her and Philip and their newborn all the best. Well, Thank you for listening to me and Gabrielle today. And don't forget to listen to the final five episode. That members-only bonus episode can be found at join.whyillnevermakeit.com. Well, I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, in charge of writing, editing, and producing this podcast. Music in this episode by Blue Dot Sessions. Why I'll Never Make It is a part of the Helium Radio Network and a member of the Broadway Makers Alliance. Join me next time as Women's History Month continues here on Why I'll Never Make It. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.